listening to Be Still and Know, the ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. My name is Reverend Nick Phillips, and today we are looking at Matthew 5, verses 17 to 20. But before we begin, I invite you to join me in prayer. Lord, we welcome you here among us. We welcome your spirit. We welcome your word. We welcome all that you have to offer as we seek to follow your Son, Jesus Christ. May he be our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer as we gather around your word today. Amen. Because I said so. How many of you have used that? Parents? Right? We've used it with our kids, our families, Maybe our coworkers, even employees, friends. What is it that usually prompts us to say, because I said so? What's the question that we usually get right before that? Why? Why? Now, there's a number of reasons why we respond with, because I said so. Could we get our kids to stop asking questions and just do what we're asking them to do? It could be because we're the boss and we just need someone to actually do some work for a change. It could be because because we're stubborn and just want to get our own way. Sometimes it's because we just know more. We have experience that others don't have. We just need them to trust us and do what we're asking them to do. Now, I don't ever actually recall telling my basketball team because I said so. But I know I have used terms that were meant to basically be the same thing. I have 40 years of experience playing, refereeing, and coaching basketball at various levels. And I see a lot of things. I know how the game works. I've studied it over the years. I have a pretty good understanding of basketball. So in a game, when my team decides to go and do their own thing on the floor... It usually doesn't go well. And so I need to find a way to get them to focus and listen to what I'm asking them to do. I usually, what I usually have to do is point out that what they're doing out there is not working. And then I have to remind them, say, remember when it was working? You were listening to me. And it was working. Now, if I can somehow get that into, these, into the brains of these teenage boys, sometimes it gets better, but not always. Throughout the Old Testament, we read the story of the people of Israel and their relationship with God. We read about when the people were close to God, and we read about when they weren't so close to God. Now, often in those times when they're not so close, God sends a messenger to tell the people, see, you stopped listening to me. And now look at how things are going. Not so good, eh? God's Canadian, just in case you didn't know. (laughs) Then he says, but remember, when things are going well, when things are going pretty good, remember those days? Well, what was different? Oh yeah, you were listening to me. This relationship between God and the Israelites went on for generation after generation, over thousands of years, 
Times when they were close to God, times when they weren't so close to God. Then finally, God sends someone into the world to show about just how serious he is about this needing to be a relationship with the people. God sends Jesus, his own son. Now, Jesus is promised in the Old Testament. We can find scripture, reading after scripture, that just points to the coming Messiah, the rescuer. In the meantime, while they're waiting, God lays out a bunch of rules that they're supposed to follow, and we call it the law. Live by these while you wait. And then the Messiah finally comes, the rescuer. And does it mean it's the end of the rules? Jesus comes to save the people. He comes to set them free. Free from what? Jesus came to set people free from their sin. He came to rescue people from the brokenness in their lives and show them the love of God. Now, does this mean he came to abolish the law? Well, let's see what he has to say about that as we continue to look through the Sermon on the Mount, this first teaching that Jesus gives the people. Now, if we remember, Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount by telling people they are loved. He tells them they are blessed. He tells them they are the keepers of the faith, that they are preserving and sharing the message of hope and love that he brings. Now, some people expected that when the Messiah will come, he'll turn everything on its head. He will take down governments and oppressors, He'll come and revoke these old laws that are enslaving the people, and he will institute freedom. Freedom from governments and oppressors, freedom to do whatever they want. And so when we're reading today, Jesus is addressing that issue. As he comes and he continues to set expectations about what he has come to do and who he has come to do it for. Now, in our reading today, he says, I haven't come to abolish the law. He says, I've come to fulfill it. Which then leads us to the question is, what does it mean to fulfill the law? Well, to understand what he means by fulfilling the law, we need to know who Jesus is. And in particular, we need to know who Jesus is in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is clearly a Jew, and Matthew sets this forward quite strongly. But Jesus is also a law-abiding Jew. That is, he observes the law of the Old Testament, the written law, you may want to call it. And Jesus says, I've not come to abolish the law, I'm not here to tear it down, but rather Jesus says he has come to show what it looks like to actually live out the law. He's going to fulfill it. He's going to show what it means to live the law of God. Now, later on in the passage, Jesus brings in the Pharisees. He brings in reference to the Pharisees. Now, who are the Pharisees? But they are the keepers of the law. Now, we know Jesus is a law-abiding Jew, and he He follows the written law as explicit in the Old Testament. Now, the Pharisees, they would say, we follow the law too. 
But more accurately, they might, we might say they follow oral law. That is, the laws they recite as the ones that are most important to follow, which may or may not even appear in the Bible. Now, I think we all know examples of people like this, where a person or a group of people feel like we're doing the right thing, that they're following the rules as they understand them. I think of an example locally that we've heard in the news of late is that our own municipal council. It's been recently found out how they handled conversations and discussions around uh, councillor pay and compensation. Now, they had these discussions in private meetings called in-camera sessions. That's how they thought they were allowed to do it. We've always done it this way. That's the rule. But it seems they didn't fully understand the rule. Seems like, according to the rules, they're not allowed to discuss municipal councillor compensation in private. These need to be open and public meetings. Someone had to point this out to them. Now, did someone know this throughout the process? Did a councillor or a staff member or even the mayor understand that these conversations can't happen in private? Maybe. There's some debate in the news about who knows what. But the reality is the majority of the council thought it was okay. And so they did. We've always done it this way. So they went ahead and had the conversations in private. Now, if someone on staff or whatever felt like they could, felt they knew differently, would they be brave enough to stand up against the majority and say, look, we're not doing it quite right? Things might have unfolded differently if someone had. I suspect it's somewhat similar for the Pharisees. They think they know the rules. We've always done it this way. These are the rules. They think they're being faithful and they're doing things just the right way but they're not. They're not following the right rules or they're not following the intent of the rules. They're not following them properly as laid out in the Old Testament. Over, the gener- over generations, they've learned to do it this way because no one has bothered to point out that they're wrong. There's a chance someone might know, but again, who's going to stand up to, ma- to the majority of powerful people and try to point out that they're doing things wrong when they firmly believe that they're doing it right. That's kind of how we work in a democracy, right? The majority knows what's right. The majority rules. The problem is the majority doesn't always know what is perfect and right. The Pharisees weren't. The majority of our council was wrong. They all got lost in their their own interpretation of what the rules can be. And they've lost sight of the true meaning. Jesus has come to show the error of the ways of those who believe in the current interpretation of the Old Testament law. He has come to show the proper interpretation. He has come to fulfill it. He has come to show how to live it. Jesus even reinforces the importance of the rules when he says in verse 18, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, Not an iota, not a dot, he says, will pass from the law until it's all accomplished. Jesus says nothing changes until the law is accomplished. So what is this law Jesus keeps talking about? 
And we've discussed it a number of times here at Carmen. What are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second rule is to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, if you remember, says these two rules encompass the entirety of the Old Testament rules and laws. Jesus goes on to say in verse 19, he says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, they will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does these laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Makes me think of Matthew chapter 18 and verse 6. Jesus, again, is talking about the importance of teaching others. And he says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drowned in the depth of the sea. So you want to be careful with what you're teaching people when you're talking about God, right? What we believe, how we live, these are important. But what is also important is what is our legacy? What have we left behind? What are we teaching others? How are we impacting the lives of those around us as we seek to follow Jesus? Jesus says that if we don't follow these rules ourselves, and if we teach others to do the same, then a reward is not so great in heaven. But if we're obedient to God, if we follow the rules and we do our very best to teach others those same rules, those simple rules, love God, love our neighbors, and if we teach others to do the same, then our reward is great. Seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Love God, love others, teach them to love God, teach them to love others, and receive a great reward. Fail to do so and things won't be so good. In the closing remark that Jesus gave from what we read this morning, he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. If you can't surpass the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter heaven. Now, for those who are listening to Jesus, this is a pretty shocking statement. Because remember, who are the keepers of the law? Who are the experts of the law? It's the Pharisees and the scribes. They are the experts on faith. They are the ones who teach everyone else about God. Who could possibly be more righteous than the Pharisees? But then again, we remember, they don't have it all figured out. They think they do. They have generations of experience in leading the temple. But then again, like our politicians who have generations of experience leading the nation, no one has it all figured out. The Pharisees, over the years, they've made up their own rules. They've institutionalized religion. They've made it about, they, they have, they've made it about rules and, and, and buildings. They've forgotten that what it's ultimately about is relationship. It's about loving God and loving one another as we ourselves want to be loved. They have forgotten these simple rules the Pharisees have, the simple rules that God has given. That's what it means to be more, more righteous than the Pharisees. 
It means follow Jesus, learning from him as he comes to fulfill the law, as he shows us how to live on this earth in such a way that people will be drawn to him and the reward that he holds for all of us. So what does such a life look like? How can we all better follow Jesus in such a way that we learn to love God and our neighbors better, but also in a way that teaches others to do the same? Now, we don't want to get caught in the trap of tradition or function or rules or even buildings for that matter. We don't want to get caught in those traps that keep us from living as God asks us to live as followers of the fulfiller of the law, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We don't want to become like the Pharisees. We want to live in the freedom that Jesus offers, living lives of love and helping others discover that same love for themselves. We want them to know the loving relationship with our Father in heaven is a relationship that changes lives our own lives, and the lives of those who are around us. Now I know there have been times when I've been like the Pharisees. I've fallen into the trap of trying to hold up institutional rules instead of reflecting the love of God to others. It's so easy for us, isn't it, just to fall back into that default position to protect what we know instead of embracing this radical call from Jesus to act differently, to act with compassion, to act with love towards others, especially for those who need it. Now, the good news is that when we fall into that trap, Jesus forgives us. When we bring and confess our sin to him in his love and God's love, we are forgiven. And we come back to knowing and and seeking and yearning for that relationship that we may have once known that relationship with God that can fundamentally change who we are and how we interact with the world around us. A change which Jesus sought to bring others as he taught them on the side of this mountain through the Sermon on the Mount, helping them realize it's better to be a blessing. It's better to be a blessing than to push people away as we try to uphold the values and rules which have been distorted from God's original intention. We want to let God change us to realize it's not about setting up boundaries and rules. It's about relationship and sharing in love with one another. And so may we know, may we understand what Jesus is trying to teach us as we continue to receive the love of God freely, freely offered by Him and through Him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we we thank you. We thank you that you have come to this world to show us a new way, the right way, God's way. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see those things which are the boundaries, are the blockages, are are the sins that keep us from also fulfilling the law that you have put forward for us, the law of love, love of God and love of neighbor. As we sang earlier, may your spirit change us. May we know your love for us deeply within our hearts and our souls 
so that we will continue to yearn and long for the love that you offer. And just by this nature, share the love with others around us as we too seek to follow in the footsteps that you have set before us as our Lord and our Savior. We pray this in your strong and powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.